Hey, how many of you have heard that story about the monkey? You know, the hunters that were, that were trying to trap a monkey and they were trying to figure out how they could trap this monkey. And, and the monkey was too smart to go into the, inside the trap. And so they put a banana inside the trap. And so the monkey would have to reach his hand in and he'd take a hold of the banana. But then he didn't want to let go of the banana and he couldn't get it back out of the hole. And so, you know, the trappers came and the monkey was stuck there. He was trapped there. Well, it's my desire this morning that we don't allow the enemy to trap us any longer. We need to let go of some things so that we can take hold of what God has for us. Do you agree this morning? Well, let's pray. Father, we just pray that right now. Lord, that you would help us get unstuck. You would help us to come up higher. I thank you, Lord, for giving us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, turn to your neighbor, tell him it's going to be good this morning. I want to read to you a scripture out of Hebrews chapter 12. This is verse 6. It says, the Lord corrects the people he loves and disciplines those he calls his own. And, and I know that's not fun. I know correction is not fun. Discipline is not fun. But God wants us to succeed. He wants us to be successful in every area of life. But here's the thing. God is not a punisher. Okay? But what he is is a course corrector. You know, I, I have friends that are pilots. And they talk about the airplane, that the airplane has, you know, a system that constantly course corrects so that when the plane takes off from one place, one airport, it lands successfully in the destination where it wants to go because there's a lot of factors. There's, there's air and speed. There's, uh, you know, the rotation of the earth even on these longer trips. There's all kinds of things that factor into that airplane staying on course. In fact, when you drive to church, which is going to be happening real soon, you're going to have to course correct all the way there, aren't you, in your vehicle? If you didn't course correct and you just stepped on the gas, nothing would happen. You wouldn't reach your destination. You say, Phil, why are you talking about this? Well, let me say this before I tell you why. When we are willing to receive correction, uh, that is key to us going to a new level in our life. In fact, the key to everything in life is being teachable, remaining teachable in our heart and in our spirit. And so I, I say that to take you to this scripture, James chapter 3, and then I'm going to talk to you about uh, where, what I'm driving at here this morning. James chapter 3, in verse 3, it says this in the New King James. It, it, let me read it to you. Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at the ships, although they are very large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Now in this scripture, what God is doing is he is connecting a rudder, a bit in the horse's mouth, a rudder on a ship to our tongue, this muscle that flaps around in our mouth, our tongue. So your tongue, in essence, is the steering wheel of your life. It takes you to a destination. In fact, you could say it this way, your declaration becomes your destination, where you wind up in life. And so what we want to do is what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7, is that we want the tree inside of us to be good so that the destination is good. He said, even so, every good tree bears 
good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. You know, so we, we're called to be a tree of life, to be a, the tree that bears good fruit, right? Psalms 119 verse 130 says, the entrance of your word gives light. So God's word will shed light on our life so that we're able to see where we're supposed to go in life. So let me make a statement. If you are going to change something, you must change what you've been saying. Have you ever looked back on your life and thought about uh, the people that have had impact on your life, the good things that they said? You know, I remember things that people said that encouraged me, that were a blessing in my life, that helped give me direction in my life. But if you allow yourself, you can also remember the things that people said that were hurtful. And maybe, maybe some people hold on to some of these things that, that people said, you know, you're, you're a loser or, you know, you always make mistakes or whatever that statement is that you've carried with it. See, that, that's not bearing good fruit in your life. And if we begin to agree with things that other people said, then it'll begin to come out of our mouth as well. And that's not good, is it? So here's, I have several questions for you this morning. One of my first questions is this. <clears throat> Where do you want to end up? What do you want your destination to be? Okay, let's say, let's say I brought a picture with me of an elevator panel. Okay, so this is all the buttons. These are all the floors. You look, it looks like you've got all the way to 20 on this panel. Let's say you get on the elevator from the lobby and you notice the lobby is lit down here. Okay, so let's say you want to go somewhere, but you hit the lobby button. Are you going to go anywhere? You say, Phil, this is really elementary. I know, but it's just go with me, okay? All right, so let's say you hit that button. Are you going to go to any other floor? No, why? Because you pushed the lobby button. In order to go to another floor, you have to hit that button. But that's what people do with their words. They talk about their current situation instead of talking about the destination, where they want to go. See, they're experiencing the reality of their words because they're staying in the same place because that's what they're talking about. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So there's a part of this that is calling things that be not as though they are. You know, so, and I'll, I'll read that scripture in a minute. Listen, I, my daughter gave me this book, and it's written by Admiral William H. McRaven. And uh, the name of the book is Make Your Bed. And he, you might remember this speech. It went viral online, and it was, you know, of this uh, admiral giving a graduation speech. And he said, if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. And it was such a powerful word, and he began to talk about the consistency in the book of him making his bed every morning and what that did for him in the consistency of the rest of his life. In fact, he was one of the soldiers that, that was in charge. He was in charge of Saddam Hussein when they took him captive. And you know, he made an observation about Saddam Hussein. He noticed because he would go over and he would check on him as he was in prison, he never made his bed. Anyway, I thought this was interesting, but here's what he said. He said, the simple act of consistency is key, was key to success in his life. Let me tell you this, the simple act of consistency with your words is key 
to you changing situations. You experiencing a different reality in your life than what you've already been experiencing. See, if we will be more selective with our words, we'll be, a, we'll be more effective in our destination and in arriving at our destination that we want to arrive at, not just any destination. You know, I remember Rebecca, when she uh, went from the fourth grade to the fifth grade, all the way up through elementary school, through the fourth grade, she did good in school. And then in fifth grade, she started having some challenges. And I was putting her to bed one night. And I, and I asked her, I said, what's going on, Rebecca? She said, you know, I'm really struggling in school. She said, Dad, the work has gotten a lot harder. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not fourth grade anymore. Now you're in fifth grade. Man, this, you've hit the big time. So as she was talking, I began to hear in my heart that I needed to speak some encouraging words to her. So I began to tell her, what I wanted to see, not what we were seeing now. Now, I could have said, yeah, boy, fifth grade is really tough, man. It's hard. Once you get there, I mean, the work gets harder, and man, you're just, you're going to make it somehow. No, instead, I started saying, you know what, Rebecca? You know what I see in you? I see a young woman, young lady, that schoolwork comes easy to. You're able to solve problems. You're able to arrive at the right answers. It comes easy to you because you're a child of the living God. And I see the spirit of Daniel in you. And the Bible says that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they were 10 times wiser than all of the, all of the other people that they were around. Why? Because God, they were living for God. God was their king. And so I want to encourage you. God, if God is your king, then you have the greater one on the inside of you and you can begin to change your declaration. And when we did, when we changed that declaration, guess what? She started doing better in school. We started seeing the fruit of it manifest in her life. Declaration. Here's another thing that declaration does, is it um, commits you to follow through. You know, I gotta be honest with you, sometimes I don't feel like saying something because I don't wanna commit myself to it. Do you know what I mean? You know, you make a promise, then you have to keep it. But that's the power of declaration. If we will be willing to step out and declare something, then it will commit us to that. That's a good word. You know, I, I, I met a guy in Tulsa one time, and it was at a college and career class. And I was, I was one of the assistants in the class, and we had, you know, just a small nucleus of college students that came to this class on Sunday morning. And, and I met this young man, and I was impressed because he had this motorcycle part. It was a muffler part um, that he had invented. He had, he had come up with this idea, and he had done, you know, uh, one of the test versions of this muffler. And, he's, and I said, what is that? And he said, that right there is my idea. That idea is going to make me a million dollars. And I thought, man. That's a strong declaration. But do you know what? Out of his consistency, working in the garage, developing these muffler, muffler parts, do you know that's exactly what happened? Today, he has a big manufacturing plant and they're making millions of dollars. He's got, he's got a lot of employees and they are consistently making these muffler parts and they're selling them all around the world. His declaration became his destination.
So what are you saying? What is the destination that you want to arrive at? What are you allowing yourself to speak over your life? Man, look at Romans chapter 4 with me for a moment. Think about this. Abraham believed God's promise that he would have a son, and that's what this verse is talking about. And it says in the Passion Translation in verse 16, it says the promise depends on faith so that it can be experienced as a grace gift and now it extends to all the descendants of Abraham. This promise is not only meant for those who obey the law, but also those who enter into the faith of Abraham, the father of us all. Verse 17 says, that's what the scripture meant when it says, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our example and father. For in God's presence, he believed that God can raise the dead and call into being things that don't even exist. Abraham believed that God had the ability to do that. And then it says, against all odds, in verse 18, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word, and as a result, he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. Let me tell you something. We are made in the image of God. And so our words have great power. And so I want to encourage you, if you want your destination to change, it's time to think about changing your declaration. What are you saying over yourself? We have the right to call into being things that don't exist. Thank you. Think about that. Things that don't even exist yet. Just like with Rebecca, I called into being what I wanted to see. I didn't, I didn't say what was. I knew what was. And that's the problem, I think, for many of us is that we talk too much about what is instead of about the destination where God wants us to go. Think about Ezekiel. Remember Ezekiel? God spoke to his heart in chapter 37. And he said, Ezekiel, this is what I want you to do. He said, do you see? What do you see, Ezekiel? And Ezekiel was seeing into the spirit realm and he saw all these dry bones all over, all these human bones, and they were all dried up. And, and God spoke to him and he, he said, I want you to speak to the dry bones. I want you to command them to live. And you know what happened? Just like, just like that Disney cartoon, I don't know if you've ever seen it, where the bones come together as a pile of, of skeleton bones and they start rattling and they come together and form a person. That's what happened. He spoke to them. These bones came together and ligaments and muscles began to come on us. Skin covered them and they came to life. So let me ask you this. What do you need to speak over your dry dreams? What do you need to speak over that dry addiction in your life that has kept you bound? And it's time to speak something different. It's time to change the declaration. Let me tell you this. Jesus said, I am the resurrector. I am the resurrection. He is the resurrector of dead, dry dreams. He's the resurrector of relationships. He's the resurrector of breaking us free out of bondage. Man, it's time to change the declaration, isn't it? Here's my second question. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want to get there? I'll never forget back in 1980. It was somewhere in the 1980s that Jerry Savelle came to my home church at Victory in Tulsa. 
and he preached a message that I'll never forget. It was called, Are You Really Determined to Win No Matter What the Cost? And that's what I'm asking you is how bad do you want to get there? Are you pursuing a new direction with your words? Are you willing to change your declaration so that you can pursue this declaration? Or are you just constantly asking, are we there yet? When's my ship going to come in? When's it going to break loose for me? You know, it seems like everyone around me is having success. When's it going to be my turn? Are you just sitting around saying what you have? Or are you saying what you want to see, what doesn't exist yet? How bad do you want that dream to be resurrected? How bad do you want to break free from that addiction? Let me tell you, it's time to become like a Texas driver. Do you know what I mean by that? An aggressive person. I don't know if you've ever driven in Texas. I was so excited when we were traveling. We were, we were going through Austin, and they have a new highway that goes all the way around Austin on, on I-35 that comes going south. And now it's 85 miles an hour. Man, that's, that's from God, I think. But anyway, it's, it's time to become aggressive. You say, but I feel, I don't know that I really believe this. I don't really believe that it matters what I say. Okay. You know, some people, you know, they, they don't want to know, for instance, what's in their favorite food. Okay. I don't know about you, but I grew up eating Twinkies. I ate a lot of Twinkies when I was growing up. And I heard a doctor one time talk about Twinkies. I think it was Dr. Colbert. But Dr. Colbert was talking about how, you know, he had Twinkies and, and, and they had fallen in the floorboard of his car. And, he, you know, he ate them because he was always on the, on the fly and he was always, you know, so busy he didn't have time to stop and eat real food. So he's eating Twinkies. And he said this Twinkie was on the floorboard of his car, car for, you know, probably a year. It was a long time. And he found it and he ate it. I, I don't know why you would do that, but he ate it. And he said it was just as fresh as a brand new Twinkie. But let me ask you a question, okay? Twinkies are good, but they have a lot of preservatives in them. I mean, if a Twinkie doesn't go bad over a year for a year and it tastes just as fresh as it did the day you bought it, there's a problem, okay? I mean, you know, because real food goes bad, you know? So this is what my wife would call fake food. But we like, man, I like what's in, I like how good they taste. You know what, but I, I don't read the ingredients. In fact, you can see the ingredients back here. There's a whole book of ingredients. I mean, there's a whole, that's, that's like a whole paragraph of, of ingredients. So all the preservatives, all the things that are in the Twinkie. Twinkie. But you know what, I don't want to know what's in the Twinkie. You want to know why? Because I, I, I don't want to hear that it's not good for me. Because I like how Twinkies taste. You know, I want to I, I be able to say whatever I want and it not affect my life. Two, but the truth is I need to become a better manager of what do I allow to come out of my mouth. I, I, as I've grown older, I've had to become a better manager of what I've allowed in my body, which is why I don't eat Twinkies anymore. But sometimes I think people don't want to read how not good they are for you because you don't want to know. Because somehow we've convinced ourselves that I can eat it and it won't affect me. Well, sure. I mean, if, if you want to eat one a year, 
it probably won't affect you, you know? But people feel the same way about the words that they allow to come out of their mouth. That they can, they, we somehow convince ourselves that I can say whatever I want and it won't change the direction of my life. Well, you're right. If you want your direction to go in, in the way that your words are going. But I think it's time for us to no longer compromise, you know? I find that if I compromise a little, it pushes me to compromise more. Haven't you? I, I remember there was a bowl of M&Ms here at the house and occasionally, you know, somebody, somebody will buy one, I'm not gonna tell you who, but they'll buy, you know, a bag of M&Ms and they'll put them in a dish. Well, I've made the mistake of eating one. Have you ever just to try it, tried to eat one M&M? I don't know, but I, I, I find it very difficult. And so small compromises, they can change your course. You know, small compromises in your diet can pull you away from the diet that you're wanting to live. You know, and same way with our words, small compromises in what we say can begin to change the declaration or the, des the destination. You know, I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise, but you can't hardly tell when the ship turns. It's very slight. They're very progressive with the way that, that they do it. And it's the same way with your words. If you don't manage your words well, it can change the, the destination. All right, so what can I do? I, you know, I was, what can I do about it, Pastor Phil? I was brought up this way. You know, I'm Italian. I mean, that's the way I talk, you know, or I'm a New Yorker and that's the way I talk. I can't really do the, the, the you know, the New Yorker thing very well. But anyway, but you get, you get what I mean. So let me say this. You can't unlearn stuff, okay? But what you can do is you can, re you can replace it by renewing your spirit with the word. It, I mean, the word of God is amazing. You take two pictures, you take a picture of dirty water, you take a picture of clean water, and when you pour that clean water in that dirty water, it displaces the water that was in there and makes what's in that picture now clean. That's what the word of God does, is it comes in and it makes us clean. And when we line our, align ourselves up with the word of God, guess what? Our mouths begin to align with the word of God. You know, uh, it, it's renewed. That word renew is like it was once new, now it's old, now it's renewed. Okay, I was, I was blessed with a pickup and when I first got our pickup, there was a big hole in the seat and it had a hole about this big and the stuffing was missing, you know, and maybe somebody sat in there. I think it was just over time getting in and out of the pickup. And so I took it to an upholstery shop and I asked if they could fix this, you know, if there was any way possible. And he said, yeah, I can, I can totally fix that. And man, he, he did a great job. I got that pickup back and it was like I had a brand new seat to, pick a, to, to sit in. And that's the way it is with, with renewing our minds and renewing our spirit. We can renew our words. Man, our words can change, you know? And then, and then you're not worried about trying to be the grammar police. That's not our job anyway. Because if you'll renew the heart, your grammar will change. Your words will change. Once you renew your mind, man, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to renew your words as well. So here's another question. How do I speak words of faith if my mind doesn't believe it? How, Phil, tell me how to do that. Okay, let me read to you a scripture out of Isaiah 55. Okay, in verse 11, let me set it up. You know, as he talks about as the rain comes down and does not return, 
And then he goes into this verse in, in verse 11. He says, so shall my words be that go forth from my mouth. They shall not return to me void, but they will accomplish what I please and they will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So God's words are always going to work. Let me tell you, God's word is the most powerful thing in the universe. It created the universe. It created the earth around us. It cre he created everything. Go back to Genesis 1 and read. And God said, I mean, man, something's created. And God said, boom, something else was created. There might have been a, a, a big bang when God spoke. You know, something was created. You know, but God's word always produces is my point. And if we believe his word and we make them our own, we take his word, we put them in our hearts so that they become our own, then we'll be speaking from the heart. This is really important. Believing what you say is really important. Because too many times I think Christians have been taught to just confess. If you say it enough times, it'll happen. No, you have to believe what you say. You know, I mean, try to tell your wife, I love you and not, I mean, you have to believe it. It's gotta come from the heart. People can tell when you really don't believe what you're speaking. And that's why Romans 10, 17 is so important. I'm gonna read it to you from the Passion Translation. It says, faith then is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one, that's Jesus. So hearing God's word builds this faith confidence in what God said. It builds this confidence in what he said. And when you have confidence in what he said, then your heart is really behind the words that you allow to come out of your mouth. Here's the dilemma for some people. They say, you know, you mean I'm supposed to say I'm healed when I feel sick? You mean I'm supposed to say I'm blessed when I don't have a penny to my name? I feel like I'm lying. I feel like a hypocrite. You know what, that, I, that's a natural feeling. But here's the thing, that's, you know, most people are saying what they have, like I said earlier. But the big difference between lying and speaking by faith is this, a lie is trying to make someone believe something that's not true. So when you say it and you don't believe it, you're trying to convince yourself that it's true. But when you speak by faith, you're speaking words that agree with the word of God. So you're speaking from your spirit and not from your mind. You're not trying to convince yourself. You have read the word of God and you've become convinced based on what you've what you've read and now you're speaking from your heart does that make sense do you understand what i'm saying let me let me share this testimony with you i read this and i thought it was so good um i read it in a in a thing that kenneth hagan had written and so i want to read it to you because it's the way that he wrote it he was talking about a guy by the name of Dr. A.B. Simpson. He's a, Presbyter he's a Presbyterian minister. He founded the, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. At the age of 46, it says that he was told that he was dying from a heart condition and was given only about six months to live. So what he did was Dr. Simpson uh, said that he had heard all these testimonies about healing, even people from his own church. 
And so he took a short leave of absence and he went to his farm and where he could spend a lot of time reading and studying God's word. At the end of two weeks, Dr. Simpson took a, pen, a pencil and a piece of paper and he wrote this. He said, after searching the word of God for two weeks straight, I am now completely convinced the Bible teaches that divine healing is for today. So he came to this conclusion by what he read, okay? Not by experience. And so he went on to say, and I, this day, listen to what he's about to say, accept Jesus Christ as my healer. You know, we often receive him as our savior, but how many of us receive him as our healer? And he said, and I declare that I am now healed from heart trouble and that I am well. And I promise God to use this newfound strength and life and energy entirely for his purpose and to help others as well. So then he said this, he said, after that time, uh, Dr. Simpson, this is Kenneth Hagin sharing this, went to a luncheon where he was the speaker. He shared his testimony and how he had searched the Bible and concluded that Jesus was still the healer today. Not just yesterday, but today. And after the luncheon, he was invited to go mountain climbing with several of the young men. And he, his first thought, his immediate thought was that he wouldn't be able to go because of his heart condition. But then he remembered he had declared he was healed. And so he accepted the invitation. Now up to this point, he had not really seen or felt the healing. He had just accepted it and declared it by faith. Did you hear that? He, he, on the, you know, in the natural, it didn't appear like anything was different, but he accepted it, he chose to believe it, and he accepted it by faith, and he declared it from his mouth. This is, these are important things. And it said, as he climbed, every time he got his mind off of the word of God, he would begin to feel the symptoms of his heart condition. He said, but he claimed the word again for his healing. He said all the symptoms would go away as he was claiming them. And he fought this battle all the way to the top of the mountain. And guess what happened at the top of the mountain? He put his hands up and he began to walk and shout in victory because he was completely healed. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says this, We have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures when it says, First I believed, then I spoke in faith. So we also first believe. This is important. First we believe, and then we speak in faith. So there's two parts, believing and speaking. You know, if you don't talk to your mountain, let me tell you, it's going to talk to you. We have to take the word of God and begin to declare it over our mountain. Proverbs 18.21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's in there. It's in your mouth. Okay, so I read this article. I thought it was interesting. These are doctors who incorporated what they call talk therapy to treat patients suffering with depression. So instead of medicating the problem, the doctors instructed the patients to begin to say positive things over their lives. Things like, I have a bright future. People like to be around me. Good things are getting ready to happen in my life. And some of the patients were depressed because they were facing life-threatening diseases. And so the doctor asked them this. He said, has anyone ever survived from the, these diseases, from the disease that you have? The answer was always yes. And he said, okay, so then this is what I want you to do. Then I want you to start saying, I'm going to make it. I am going 
to be one of the survivors that beats the odds. Do you know what happened? When they obeyed, when they began to do what the doctor instructed them to do, amazingly, many of them not only came out of depression, they also made full recoveries. Let me tell you, contracts are made with your words. Think about it, you buy a house, you, you sign a stack of paperwork about this high, it looks like an encyclopedia. And what's in that contract? Words. Words of intent, right? And, and I mean, we buy cars with words. We sign the documentation, you know, that we buy the car, whether we get a loan or we, or we pay cash, you sign a whole stack of papers that have words on those papers. We make contracts. Well, some of you need to break some contracts that you've made. You've made some contracts with sickness, with disease, with addiction, with habits, with bad relationships, with things that you think you can't break free from. But I'm telling you, it's time to sign a new contract. A new contract that has paid the price, paid in full, all of these other contracts. It's paid off that nasty house that's fallen down. It's paid off that beater of a car that you still owe $10,000 on and it's useless. Let me tell you, Jesus paid the price so that you could be free and walk under a new contract. So we need to break those old contracts that the enemy's trying to hold us responsible for. Mark eleven twenty three says this, for I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, remember I said you got to speak to the mountain or it's going to speak to you. Be removed, be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Remember that comes back to believing, speaking. You got to have belief first. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. It's not just the person that confesses it. Uh -uh. It's the person that first believes it in their heart and then speaks it out of their mouth. Let me tell you. Man, it's time for a course correction, isn't it? You might be saying, Phil, this is going to take some work. Yeah, well, it will. But let me say this to you. Start with this. Practice the art of silence. Sometimes you just got to zip your lip, man, and throw the key away. Put a lock on it. Why? Because until you can get your heart to a place where it believes it, you don't need to speak it. Why? Because you're going to speak opposite what the Word of God says. But once you have it in your heart, and do what, do what that Presbyterian minister did. A.B. Simpson, man, get in a place. We're in quarantine. Dear God, this is a great opportunity. Get in a place where you read the Word of God, and it becomes so alive on the inside of you that you believe it with all your heart, and then you can speak it out of your mouth. Man, that is so powerful. It's the seed. It's this, let me say this. It's the seed's job to make sure it produces. That's not your job. Your job is to believe it and decree it. Man, I love that movie. What's that movie, Becca, where, where, where he said, so let it be written, so let it be done, the king and I. Man. The, oh, the Ten Commandments. That's right. I'm, I've got the right actor. Wrong movie. Ten Commandments. Remember the Ten Commandments? He said, so let it be written, so let it be done. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. But you know what I mean? So let it be written, so let it be done. Man, that's what you need to do with your words. You are the decreer of your words. You're the prophet of your words. You're the king of your words. Come on. You're not just the king of your house, guys. You're the king of your words. 
not just king of the remote. And so it's time to, to allow God to change the heart so we can begin to say the words that he says. So guys, let me tell you, it's the seed's responsibility to produce. That's not your job. Our job is to believe and then to speak faith and let God do the rest. Let me tell you, it's always better when he does it. So it's time in our life for a course correction. 